Hi everyone, you're here with the second season of Floater Founder. I'm your host, Samantha Lloyd, here as always with my co-host, Liza and Casey. Hello everyone. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Jay Rosenwig. He is the founding partner of Rosenwig & Co. So thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. So tell us, how did you start uh, your company and also why? Well, I'm, uh, I'm a Canadian by background. I uh, grew up in Montreal and I ended up uh, studying at McGill University for seven years straight where I did a philosophy degree and two law degrees. Um, and in the law school, I met a really important mentor. His name is Erwin Kotler. He's an international human rights champion. And he represented people like Nelson Mandela back in the day, went on to become our uh, attorney general here in Canada. And if you fast forward to today, he uh, he runs a human rights organization called the Robert Wallenberg Center for Human Rights. And I'm an active board member on his uh, human rights organization where we are representing the Nelson Mandela's of today. Sadly, there are many all around the world and doing all kinds of other human rights work. But to rewind, when I graduated, I moved to Toronto and ended up working at the law firm that very prominently represented people who were wrongfully convicted. And the firm was able to be successful uh, largely because a DNA technology was becoming more and more reliable. Um, but I eventually saw a business opportunity in the talent strategy world and the high-end executive recruitment world with a boutique firm. And uh, I decided to take it. It seemed like a business opportunity I couldn't pass up and took to the business really well. And ultimately, that firm was acquired by the largest in our sector, which is called Corn Ferry, which is a global firm. And it was a great experience for me. Young guy, firm was acquired. Suddenly, I'm one of the youngest partners globally at the world's largest executive recruitment firm and um, stayed on for a few years, but eventually decided to break break away from the big firm because I saw some inefficiencies in, in the big firm environment and also because I'm an entrepreneur by nature. It's kind of in my blood. It's sort of where I come from. Uh, so I decided to start my own firm designed to uh, really help our clients in, in much more customized ways. And uh, I've been fortunate. The vision has been realized. We're now doing work all around the world in places like Dubai and Brazil and Hong Kong and all across North America, all across Europe. Uh, we've been uh, cited as the leading international boutique um, and it's been a really, really fun ride. That's really cool. Yeah, that, that, that's really great. Um, so with your extensive experience in, in recruiting, uh, what advice can you give to any startup founders out there who are, 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 are trying to recruit the best people? Well, what I always tell founders, and by the way, I'm I'm on the advisory board. It's it, it's become a passion of, uh, a passion of mine to actually uh, help and coach and mentor founders to scale up their businesses. Um, uh, right now, I'm on 30 to 40 advisory boards across California, so Silicon Valley, LA, San Francisco, New York, Toronto, and we've had a lot of success helping these businesses scale up. And what I always tell founders is uh, don't wait too long before bringing on uh, amazing talent because that's going to help you get to next levels. It's always a balance between costs. Obviously, cash is key as you're growing a business, but um, I've never seen a founder regret hiring a little bit before the curve rather than um, when, when, when they're desperate to bring on the right people to keep the company going. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And what changes do you see in hiring practices in, in the current uh, pandemic? Well, clearly, the um, when an environment 
uh, an economic environment is thriving and, and, and growing, that means businesses are thriving and growing and therefore um, they're aggressively hiring. And that's when our sector thrives as well. Um, so it's a very difficult time actually for the recruiting um, world. Um, the trends that I'm seeing right now is first of all, the executive recruitment business is slow. Um, but secondly, um, companies are hiring only if they have extremely strategic and important senior hires to make. Um, so we've actually done about four chief executive officer searches over the last little while. We're about to take on a couple of more. And I, I much prefer doing the most senior level leadership of searches. So uh, that's really boded well for me. But I think generally speaking, the recruiting industry is, is, uh, is, is at a slow turn right now. Yeah, that makes sense. And what are some qualities um, in these executives that you're placing that a lot of them have in common that make them kind of ideal to place in startups or other companies? Yeah, um, it might sound counterintuitive, um, but over the years, what I've discovered is the uh, the most successful leaders are, are leaders who have humility. Um, so when I interview a candidate, uh, I don't like it uh, when... All I hear is the I, I, I rather than the we, 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 because really, you know, if, if, if a candidate says, you know, I, I, I've done it all, um, you know, I, for me, that's pause for concern because I find that it's a weakness, not a strength um, to, to not ask for help, to not acknowledge that you have weaknesses that need to be shored up. So I like to hear when a candidate says, Yes, I've had the following successes, but I had a really great team who helped me along. Um, there were great uh, tailwinds, which which helped move my business forward. The market conditions were great. Things of that nature. Um, when you work with a leader who has humility, I think that the possibilities are endless. I agree. And I think it's also honest. I don't think anyone's achieved anything entirely on their That's own. Right. So it's. And it's great when a leader credits their team um, in good situations, and that's always appreciated. Yeah, nor has anyone done everything. That's physically impossible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, um, it goes back to the earlier point that I made, like, you know, have some humility. Of course, a healthy dose of ego is important too, but have some humility and understand that uh, you need to bring in key people and, and as quickly as you can to make this thing work. Yeah. Yeah, that's really great. And uh, there's a lot of people right now that uh, really are uh, looking for work. And, and what advice do you have for them to, to present their best selves for any companies that might be hiring right now? Well, I, I, you know, again, this might sound somewhat counterintuitive, but for a young person coming out of school, for example, um, I think it's more important to target individuals and businesses that are most interesting to you. And given how difficult the environment is, I think the experience is actually more important than the money. Um, so approach individuals um, and, and do it, do it in, a, in, a, in a large volume because the more volume of reach outs you make, the greater the odds obviously that you'll land something, but even offer to work for free if it's within a, a dream company and, and if there's a dream leader you'd like to work for. And if you show your stuff um, to this individual, things will work out and the money will fall into place. I have many, many examples, including I remember the, uh, the gold medalist uh, from my law class. He wanted to get into the movie business. Um, he was being offered all these major contracts 
from big law firms and big salaries and whatnot, but he just wanted to get into the movie business. So he ended up actually offering to work for free uh, for a, a colleague of mine in the movie space. And um, uh, after a few months, he began uh, getting paid because the value that he brought was just spectacular. They ended up becoming partners and selling their company to some big shot in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. He's now doing amazingly well in the movie business where he wanted to be. So I think early on in your career, just do whatever it takes to get the experience um, and everything else will fall into place. Yeah, I agree. I've also done that where you offer to work for free uh, when I want to be in weddings and events. And uh, it's definitely worth it. You'll find someone um, who thinks that you're valuable and worth paying for your work um, after you've proven that you're capable of something that you have no experience. Exactly. Yeah. And so you're also a partner of Move the Dial. Can you talk a bit about why it's important to be part of that movement and how you uh, look for diversity and uh, being inclusive in your recruitment? Sure. Um, so um, when, when I got into the business world, which was a big pivot um, for me after doing work in law and human rights, um, I noticed that uh, this mentor I mentioned to you who became Attorney General and Minister of Justice of Canada, he was the first man on the Women's Caucus. And uh, he transformed our Supreme Court into the most gender representative in the world. And uh, this got me thinking as I got into the business world, like what's the status of women in the business world? Um, so what I decided to do was look at the hundred largest publicly traded companies in Canada who all must disclose the top five paid executive officers um, within their businesses. So basically look at the 500 top paid executive officers in Canada. This was 2006 and see what percentage were women. I figured the numbers would be low, but I didn't realize they would be that low. Um, it was 4.6% the first year I did this study. Wow. And I've been doing this every year for the last 15 years. Uh, it's garnered a, a lot of attention. It's a big passion of mine. Um, the numbers are still way too low. The numbers have almost doubled, but uh, which is the good news. The bad news is that means we're still less than 10%. Um, yeah. And uh, last year, we got contributions from amazing people ranging from Sheryl Sandberg to Deepak Chopra to uh, our Prime Minister, uh, Justin Trudeau, um, to CEOs of banks, etc., Elisa Milano. Um, and uh, it's just an important cause for me. About four years ago, three, four years ago, um, a woman named Jody Kovitz and I and about 28 others went to Israel on a technology delegation with uh, our mayor, John Tory, And um, it was just an outstanding week. Jody and I hit it off. She was the um, CEO of an organization was, which was sort of like a YPO for CEOs of tech companies. And she was lamenting to me the fact that um, at all of her gatherings, there were no women. And uh, she thought that um, it'd be interesting if she could start an organization to quote unquote, move the dial for women uh, to advance women in technology. And I told her, look, I think it's a fantastic idea. I'm all in. I will support you in any way I can. We got back from Israel. She decided to um, organize uh, a meeting of like 30 or 40 people. She sent out a notice. 600 people showed up. I think actually a thousand. It was, it was completely over. There was overflow capacity at wow. the, the, Mars, yeah, the Mars Innovation Business. 
um, uh, or, or uh, incubator here in Toronto. Mayor Tory showed up, and out of that uh, came a, a global movement to elevate women all around the world. And uh, I've been uh, by Jody's side uh, every step of the way. It's just an, it's been an amazing uh, ride, and it's obviously very complementary to the other advocacy work I do for women's rights and uh, advancing women in leadership. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's amazing. Uh, to me, diversity is like a no-brainer because statistically, those companies are more likely to succeed. So everyone Absolutely. should really be pushing for it on top of the humanity, even for their own success. Absolutely. There's, um, um, there's, there's tons of studies, Harvard studies, McKinsey studies, and, and it, 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 it lends to um, logic, right? Um, the more yeah. diversity you have around the decision-making table, the more creativity, the more creativity, obviously, uh, the better the results will be. Definitely. Absolutely. And, and what advice do you have for, for any companies who are going through a, a hiring process right now, or maybe in a little bit, because right now sure. everyone's a little unfrozen. Uh, what, what, what advice do you have for them to make sure that diversity, diversive hiring is part of their practices? Well, when you're doing a recruitment project, um, you can't rely on your database or the same old, same old, or the previous searches, because by definition, if less than 10% of individuals are, especially at the senior levels, um, women, if you're recycling the same old, same old from your database, you're not going to get better results. Um, so you have to go back to first principles. You need to, you need to do the digging. It's, it's much more labor intensive. You need to understand the strategic objectives of your client, the business objectives of your client and, and take a blank sheet of paper and develop a research strategy designed to meet the business issues at play without being biased about previous candidates and, 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 and previous Rolodexes and, and databases. And if you take that kind of approach, then um, you'd, be, you'd be surprised at the amazing results you'll get and, and the fresh candidates. Um, and that's the kind of approach we take. We actually have developed a proprietary program called Diversity Recruitment. It's a 10-page um, mission um, and statement and strategy, including tactics uh, to follow on the strategy. Um, and it's a much more sophisticated uh, approach to search. It's not titles-based. It's not LinkedIn-based. Um, and it's not about making compromises. It's just about understanding that women have typically been paid less and have lesser titles, but that doesn't mean that, uh, by any means that they, uh, are inferior candidates. In many cases, they're, they're actually the best candidates you can find, but you need to dig a lot more than, uh, than the surface. That's good. That's some great advice. And in regards to all the startups that you're on the board of, do you want to talk about um, like similarities that the startups who are successful in their diversive hiring practices have versus ones uh, that struggle a bit with it? Well, I think that it's important for um, startups to have a, a sophisticated approach to recruitment. Um, like I said earlier, it's, it's a bit of a conundrum because often early stage companies don't necessarily have as much cash to spend on, on firms like ours to take a really strategic approach and deep dive into every single search that they do, especially at the senior levels. But it's important really uh, for, for founders to invest as a priority uh, in people and in culture and, and in developing really the foundation for the future of the business. Um, so what I find is that businesses who, who actually take a very serious approach 
to uh, to to talent strategy and, and and recruitment and people and developing the right culture are the ones that um, that often succeed um, much much more quickly and and uh, and at a much higher rate than than uh, than uh, founders and firms that that try to do it on the cheap. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's amazing. Yeah, and kind of for for my uh, last question, can you tell me something about yourself that's not on your LinkedIn page? Um, it may or may not be on my LinkedIn page, um, but it's it's uh, it's not something I guess you, you would you would typically find a recruiter doing. But I enjoy writing songs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I enjoy uh, recording songs, and um, if you go on Apple. Uh, or, or Spotify, you'll see, I think I put about five of, five of my songs onto, uh, onto those platforms. And it's, it's something I enjoy immensely. And, and in fact, I've been working on a couple of really cool projects in Los Angeles, marrying music and, and doing good in human rights and helping our world, whether it be environmentally or mental health wise or, or anti-gun violence programs. So uh, music is a major passion of mine. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Thank you. And for my final question, what was your very first job? My very first job was working as a, an electrical apprentice for my my father and my brother who um, who had a, an electrical contracting uh, business. So working, very cool. Yeah, that's fine. I, I did that too. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't think it was my first job, but it was one of my yeah. first ones. <laughs> I did all kinds of things. I was a garbage collector for our city. I I, I mowed lawns. I worked in retail at um, uh, a clothing store called Roots, which you're probably familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. I did all kinds of uh, all kinds of jobs, and 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 every one of them helped help you to build uh, your character and make you the person you are. Cool. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us today. It was really great getting to speak with you about recruiting and diversity and inclusion in that process. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Lots of fun. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Floater Founder every week. We look forward to bringing you more content from more amazing people in our city. Until next time.